0: the house I lived in right after college, we nicknamed the green house. It wasn't actually because the previous renters seemed to be growing something in the basement. At least that was the rumor. It was just green. But in this house, we had what we called the wall of shame. And it was a it was a wall with a couple of little shelves, and we put some of the the random or weird or disgusting foods that we could find on there. Now, I remember one of my roommates traveled um, and brought back some edible bird's nest, so that went on the wall of shame for sure. Uh, I, think, I think, if I remember right, I actually started it from a trip to the grocery outlet where I found something called potted meat food product. No joke. So I went last night, and I tried to find it, and either unfortunately or fortunately, it was not available. The closest thing that I could find that had the first ingredient of mechanically separated chicken uh, were some little Vienna sausages, right? This is, I'm sure this is how that country wants to be memorialized, right? Not the birthplace of most Mozart or anything, just sausages that, yeah. So here's, here's why I bring this up. I want to find a line. I want to find your line. Bear with me and indulge me. Would you raise your hand if you would eat the entire contents of this can, right here, right now, for a billion dollars? Okay, just to be clear, I'm not actually offering a billion dollars. I'm just saying... If you were okay, keep keep them raised. What about what about a million dollars? What about 100,000? 10,000? 1,000? 100? 10? <laughs> okay, see I've I've found a really big line. How about how about 1? One? $1? $1. Okay, Kirby, come on up. I'm actually going to pay you $1 not to eat this, okay? How's, how's that sound? Because that would be disgusting, and I don't want that for you. We all have a line. All of us have a line, right? Right? Where on one side of the line, something is not worth it, and on the other side of the line, something is. I would propose that every single thing in life, we do because we think it's worth it, at least at the time. Everything in life, we do because we think it's worth it at the time, As we continue our study in the book of Malachi, we're going to be in chapter 3, verses 13 to 18 today, we find the nation of Israel in crisis. As a nation, Israel's looking around and seeing the world, how it it is, how it works, or doesn't in many cases. Bad people get away with things, Good people suffer, and Israelites are handling it in a couple of different ways. But everyone, everyone is asking the question, is it worth it? For the final time in our study of Malachi, we we enter into the final dispute between God and Israel. And here's what God says. He says to Israel, Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But but you say, Israel, how have we spoken against you? You have said, It is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, But they put God to the test and they escape. Now this passage sounds pretty familiar in content and tone, especially if you were here a couple of weeks ago, because it was basically the exact same complaint. A couple of weeks ago it was phrased by, where is the God of justice? Israel was looking around, they saw people getting away with stuff. And it bothered them. It's interesting, the Hebrew words and context seem to point to dialogue. When, when it says they've spoken against God, it's a dialogue. It's, it's almost like you could say they were speaking together against God. It was grumbling, complaining A vicious negative cycle. I'm sure we've all experienced that in our lives. One person starts getting negative, and soon everyone starts getting negative. When we're in pain, I think especially, we try and win other people to our side or our viewpoint so that they can empathize, sympathize, be with us pretty easy to pull others down into that cycle. But here's the thing, when you're looking down, it's really easy to be myopic, to lose perspective of what's really going on. The conclusion the Israelites have made is that it's not worth it. It is not worth it to serve God. Keeping his charge his, his commands? I mean, what's his charge? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. It's not worth it, they say. Walking as in mourning. There's another passage in Scripture that seems to indicate that uh, in a particular time period of the year, Israel would walk around as in mourning. It was supposed to be this, this symbol of humility and repentance, mourning sin and yet what it turned into was just a religious ritual and it became devoid of meaning and as they're going through this ritual that now has no meaning they're looking around and saying well this isn't fun look at all the fun evil people are having hmm you know what's worth it? Evil. You get it all if you're one of those, if you're one of the arrogant, the people who, who defy God, who test God, who disobey His commandments, because they seem to be getting rich. They seem to be built up. They seem to prosper. They seem to get away with it. They have absolutely no consequences, so they get it all. What are we doing really hard to believe what we can't see. So if it it looks like evil people, again using quotations, if it looks like evil people are getting away with theft and murder and adultery and, and getting rich off of it, it looks like God doesn't follow through. Now God has responded to this complaint. A couple of ways before. Again, two weeks ago, he said, uh, Number one, you're part of the problem. Right? It's not those evil people, it's evil. Right? You are not immune. You are a sinner also, and you're not being a part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And the other thing that God said to Israel against this complaint is, they don't get away with it. They don't. Yeah, it looks like it right now, but they don't. I'm God, I'm just. I think an important thing to note in this passage, though, in particular, is that All of Israel is not saying this with one voice. It's a pretty loud voice, but there is a faithful remnant. So when we get to verse 16, we find that those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Notice that comparison or the juxtaposition between those who were previously grumbling against God with one another versus this very different response where those who feared the Lord were speaking with one another. Friends, that's called encouragement. Literally giving courage to other people to say it's worth it. Again, the conversation before was a vicious negative cycle. This is encouragement, building others up keeping people faithful. They're talking with each other, reminding them that serving the Lord is worth it and fearing the Lord. Fearing the Lord is a beautiful thing. As a, as a believer in Jesus Christ, no one has to fear the condemnation and ultimate judgment of God but I do need to fear and respect God. I do need to esteem his name, as it says in this passage, to hold that high, to respect God. That's the kind of fear they're talking about, not cowering, waiting for the shoe to drop. That's the proper relationship that we are to have with God. Emphasis on the relationship. Did you notice in this passage that it's familial terms, like a father or as a man spares his son. It's a relationship. And it's a beautiful one. And God hears those who fear him. He listens. The cries of of looking around and seeing things that aren't the way they're supposed to be do not fall on deaf ears, God is very aware. He hears those who fear him. And something incredible happens as well. Their names are written down to be remembered. Again this this language, this imagery God doesn't forget, but the imagery of, of a name being written down permanently, right? Becoming a a possession of God and not just a possession, a treasured possession, this passage says, they're spared the ultimate judgment and from the fate of the wicked and things will be made right what makes sense will take place again the righteous prosper the wicked are judged that's that's the way it's supposed to be now it shouldn't lead any christian to arrogance because it's not our righteousness that spares us, it's Christ's. But I want to pop back to this concept of treasured possession. It speaks volumes about the value that, that you and I have in God's eyes. Do you want to know how valuable you are? Valuable enough that God would send his son to die for you. That's how valuable you are. That's how treasured you are. That's how much he wants you as his own, right? His treasured possession. God says, mine, not shared with the world, not shared with Satan, mine. I want you all for me, God says, not because he's insecure, but because he's jealous in the best way. He wants the best for you. He wants you and knows that that is the best for you. Everyone asks the question, is it worth it for everything? And Christianity, faith is no different. Is it worth it? For the person who is wondering about Jesus, I can stand up here and I can assure you it's worth it to fear and serve God. But you need to ask and answer that question. For the Christian, we should be asking that daily, all the time. Is it worth it? Counting the cost when we're tempted to sin. One of the wise things that a pastor of mine once said is, we sin because we think it's worth it at the time. I can't argue with that statement. Again, that's why I'd say we do everything because we think it's worth it at the time. So is it worth it to fear and serve God? God. We say all the time, perspective matters. Uh, so for kicks and giggles, let's build a timeline. And I think we're going to start with the beginning of human history. How about that? I'm going to set the microphone down. Hopefully you can hear me. Beginning of human history, right here. And for perspective's sake, for our timeline, we're going to put our lives right here. That's us. This sliver of life. Right? The 70, 80, 90, years that we have is there. And during that sliver of life, if we come to terms with the fact that we are sinners, that God is holy and we are not. And that we desperately need someone to save us. If we come to... Things happen all at once. We are washed. We are cleansed from our sin. We are forgiven. We are given the Holy Spirit to transform us, renew us, to keep us, preserve us. I could keep going, but I think you're getting the point. We have the Holy Spirit. What God says in John 3.16 is that He so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. At that moment when someone believes in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they have eternal life. And when this sliver ends, we will get to experience Experience eternal life. Being with God when everything is made right. No tears, no pain, no sin, no death, no Satan. Everything is right and we get to worship God forever and ever and ever and ever. So yeah. This part. Parts of that can be really hard. Honestly, not saying we can't have joy, but sometimes the whole thing is hard. That sliver, that pinpoint in the timeline. But if we focus right here and start grumbling, we're going to miss the entire picture. So friends, look up. Look, look at the big picture and you tell me, is it worth it to fear and serve the Lord? No, really, tell me. right? We need that as a church body. Tell me it's worth it to serve and fear the Lord. Tell the people you know, tell everyone that you can, that it is worth it to fear and serve the Lord.